and welcome to the panel scanners we are the terror that flaps in the night my name is mark and with me tonight are gary how you doing hey gary what's up how you feeling tonight well, not, not too bad uh a better day than yours um <laughs> you know feeling good feeling good glad to be back had a little time off but uh i am re- ready willing and raring to go all right good to hear phil how you doing tonight a little cold, a little cold, but, you know, it is Ohio. It's expected at this point. Or It's going to be 60 very soon, so there's that. The and then 20 is. again. Yeah, and then 20 again. And then 50, and then 15. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, we're doing the same thing out here in the Arizona desert. We've been going up and down from 80 degrees to 35 degrees back and forth. So Sounds like a party. Yeah, that's, nice. that's like shorts and T-shirt weather over here. Yeah, it, well, it's it's a lot more jarring when you drop 50 degrees in the course of an hour when the sun goes down. <laughs> right. Uh, Darren, how you doing tonight? Holy protracted wait for a Batman special, Batman. <laughs> it's not been that long. It's only been, what, 10 years? I mean. <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you had told me when we started this thing, you're going to do a Batman special, I'd have figured, like, what, next month? No, 10 years from now. They'll be like, we're still doing this for 10 years? And we haven't done a Batman spell? Well, mean, then we can leave everybody to wonder how we've been waiting for this for 10 years, and this is what we came up with. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably over. <laughs> we oversold it already, and that is my fault, everybody. <laughs> so, if you haven't gathered yet, our purpose here tonight is to talk about someone who debuted in Detective Comics number 27, May 1939, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, continuing on to his own title in spring of 1940. We are talking about a vigilante who racks up $484 million in worldwide sales, whose logo is one of the most iconic and recognized sites worldwide. We're talking about the Cape Crusader, the Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne. Batman. Everybody excited? <laughs> I am excited. This is. Uh, I am. I, I would say that I think for whatever reason Superman sort of had the stranglehold on my favorite character. But if we would go like with the NCAA basketball rankings, most weeks at number one, Batman's right up there. There was a significant portion in my life where Batman was my favorite. And I would say that for me, Batman is one of the few DC comics that I actually am aware of these days. Um, as a as a collective, I've really bowed away from all of that. So um, actually, for this podcast, that's probably some of the few DC I've read is is Batman comics. So there's definitely a pull there. Yeah, it's, I feel the same way. It's that you know I like Superman, I appreciate Superman, but I have a problem relating to Superman because, as some detractors of him do say, I, I can't relate to a perfect godlike being who doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Batman screwed up. He's flawed. I get that. <laughs> that's more up my alley. <laughs> See, that's interesting to talk about because I find it really more difficult to relate to Batman and his perfection. And I, people always say. That you have a you can actually become Batman. You can't be Superman. I'm like, no, you can't become Batman. That is impossible. The the world's best track athlete can't do it. But see, I always identify with Superman's humanity, not his his godlike powers. And I find Batman and his self isolationist and his um, his overall perfection that to me is more difficult to relate to. Which is it's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, see, I I get the obsessive-compulsive side of it. I get that Batman is perfect on a physical level, but mentally he's damaged goods. Well, let me ask you this question, then. 
which Batman is your Batman? Oh, we're are gonna you, get to are that you later. going Adam West era? No, 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 that's, Gary. That's none that's of what a, you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we're gonna have to save a that different conversation. Yeah, that is. A, we're gonna save that one. <laughs> Gary's trying to uh, pull into our timeline here and bring the end to the front. So Gary's no, just like, I, I, I mean, want the show to be over. Let's start at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Gary, my dinner? That was, Gary has that was no interest. I had to consider when I was coming up with all of my lists. Gary has no because... interest in doing this podcast. He just wants it. Like, just get, let's skip to the end. This is not my thing. <laughs> no one cares about this Batman stuff, right, Gary? No, it was just, like I said. If, if you lean one way, then you know your favorites and least favorites are going to be decidedly one-sided. If you lean the other way, then you know vice versa. That that's kind of what I ran into here. So what you're saying is. Last time you checked, this guy does not transform into a robot, so who gives a crap? Uh, you know, I actually have a Batman Transformers. That's I was going to say. <laughs> Is that the Batmobile one? It turns into a really nice representation of a Batwing. Oh, okay. Because yes. I heard a while back they were doing the 66 Batmobile as a Transformer. I don't know if that ever came to fruition. I have not seen anything on okay, that. So if, if that's in the works, I never heard about it, and it has not come to fruition yet. But um, peanut butter, man. All right. Well, there we go. Batman pops up everywhere. So Batman, of course, has a lot of iconic moments, a lot of things that just, you know, Batman's the apex predator of the superhero world. Right. So we can split those into great Batman moments and unfortunately not so great Batman moments. (laughs) So we're going to start off here talking about our least favorite Batman moments or what we consider our worst. And of course, as we always say here, this is purely subjective. If we call out one of our worst as one of your favorites, no hate mail. It's just our opinion. You're welcome to love what you love and hate what you hate. So I'm going to start this off and say uh, my first runner up for worst Batman moment is Bat Baby in Batman number 147. Oh, Batman gets hit with a, an age reversal ray and decides because he still has his intellect and his strength, he's going to fight crime as Bat Baby. So he decides to look the part to mock criminals. I'm not sure how that works in like, you know, little playtime overalls. And, uh, oh, it's just, I don't know why anybody thought this was a good idea in any decade. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> Gary. I stumbled across that and just had just had to keep going. <laughs> Wise man. Mark, deliver your other honorable mention. Oh, or, I'm or, sorry. Or uh, dishonorable, so, dishonorable mention. I'm sorry. My second favorite, dis- my second dishonorable mention would be uh, Batman and Detective Comics number 241. Batman dresses in multicolored suits in sequence to throw suspicion off of Dick Grayson being Robin after Dick broke his arm saving a little girl. I'm really still out of touch with how that could throw people off the scent of Robin being Dick Grayson. (laughs) It culminates in Batman eventually wearing a rainbow-striped costume and making awful puns like things like, there's no pot of gold at the end of this rainbow, only prison. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. It's, it's awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yet another one I Batman. saw and kept going. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one until I was looking these up and researching. I thought, oh, my God, I remember seeing that before when I was younger. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> A while back, they tried to bring that back into the continuity, too. Oh, dear God. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, I picked up that issue, and I'm like, nope. I didn't even Why? bother reading it. I don't know. 
I mean, I can say you open his closet and just see them all there or something like that. I, I don't think I'd wear them, but. <laughs> uh, How did that not come across our uh, worst costumes back in back when we did that list? Because there are worse. No, this is true. Okay, good call. All right, my uh, my two dishonorable mentions. Um, one of these is a little more recent than uh, Mark's listings. Uh, the Bat Credit Card. Uh, shown by George Clooney, uh, you know, never leave home without it. Um, that film, I believe, is going to come up a lot in this discussion. And that was just a moment in it that you know, it's, it's like that film couldn't decide what it wanted to be. You know, wh- which side of the spectrum was it going to fall on? And that one really kind of. I don't know. That was that was more, uh, I guess, Adam West-ish, but it didn't fit in with the rest of the film. So okay, so that's my my first dishonorable mention. Hey, hey, hey Gary, what was the expiration date on the credit card? I uh, I don't remember. Is it it was forever. Yeah, <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. See, I, I I left blocked a lot of that stuff out. So okay, uh, my second. Uh, least favorite Batman moment, uh, the Asbat final form. That's by the time he got the uh, shuriken machine gun and flamethrowers and the the spikes and everything else. Um, from what that was to what it became, uh, I think is what probably made it more depressing for me. So that is my second runner-up, Asbat final form. You. What about the Rob Liefeld style leg pouches, you know, re- leg wrap, you know, bands? <laughs> Didn't you love that part? That was that was like the least of the problems there. That was uh, God. It, it was such a cool concept that they could have carried in a much different direction. But yeah, the, the yeah, un- overall effect was underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Phil. Yeah. So I this was. This is my biggest struggle because there are a lot of least favorite moments. Um, but the two that I'm going with as my dishonorable mentions is first the Martha incident from uh, oh. Man versus Superman. Just everything about it makes me cringe. And it, this great detective, this guy who is so just amazing gets broken because they share the same name of a mother. What happenstance? Martha. Martha? Martha. Tell How do you know that name? Uh, all right. So How did Martha. I forget about that? It's a very I common do, name. I Everyone knows Martha. What was that, Darren? I said, how did you know that name? There's lots of people named Martha. You've never heard it before? Right. It, it makes me think of, I think there was an I Love Washington. Lucy episode with a vaudeville thing, whereas every time somebody says Mar- Martha, they get hit with a pie in the face. Yeah, and so it's like Martha, Martha creeps yeah. over with a pie and goes to throw. It's like, and I pictured that through that whole scene. It was all right, internet. In all right, internet, get on that. I want to see that on YouTube by the end of the weekend. Yeah, that that should. That That's should. like Batman yeah, getting hit with a pie. <laughs> that had to be such a huge moment in the writers' room, you guys. Oh my god, you guys, did you know that Batman and Superman's mom are the same name? The whole movie is about that. So bad. Was it uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse? Whenever they said a certain word, all these alarms went off. And... Yeah, 
Um, magic word. Magic <laughs> word. <laughs> Hear the magic word. Scream real loud. <laughs> All right, Martha. So, so Martha incident kicks mine off. Um, my second dishonorable mention is, as you guys well know at this point, is I'm a pretty big gamer. And around the Super Nintendo era, there was a Batman Forever game that oh. they used the same type of animation that they used for Mortal Kombat, that uh, yeah. real-life human drop-in look. Uh, so we got all of our favorite actors from Batman Forever in terrible poses with bad combinations, bad movement, really crazy combo codes to be able to go to different levels. I wanted to like this game. I really did. The comic book fan, the video game fan, everything about it. But it just did it. When you think Batman, you don't think clunky. You don't think just completely wildly in your face. And that's exactly what this game is. And boy, is it bad. So dishonorable mention number two, the Super Nintendo Batman Forever game. I still remember. I still remember the... My favorite review of that game in Nintendo Power Magazine was, I mean, it's not Superman 64. (laughs) Uh, I felt the same way about Batman Begins on the PS1, was it? I kept video games off this because that was a rabbit hole. I didn't want to go down with that. Yeah, same here. (laughs) That one was like, I can throw a Batarang, but only at the one thing in the room you tell me I can throw it at. What? Yeah, Batman video uh, games have not always been great. No. Darren, what you got for us? All right, so my first dishonorable mention is Batman smiling in Batman Forever. Batman smiles in cowl and mask in full close-up after flirting with Nicole Kidman's character whose name I didn't bother to look up. My other Chase dishonorable... Meridian. Ricky Vale? No. no, Chase Meridian. Yeah, I, Chase Meridian. That's right. That's I really right. I, thanks, Mark. I didn't need that yep. one. It's there uh, now. I have the IMDb inside my head. Don't worry oh, about it. Okay. <laughs> and my other dishonorable mention is uh, poor, poor Ben Affleck. Let's just get this out of the way. He's. I, I meant to say at the beginning, if you're jokingly, if you're listening, you might want to duck for a while. <laughs> we'll get to that. I think we. It's universally accepted. We do not blame the man, but he. he he did wear the costume, so he's in here. Batman can't figure out who Wonder Woman is. Batfleck spent a large amount of time researching the origins of the mysterious Diana Prince in Batman vs. Superman, The Dawn of Justice. Or as Matt called it, the dawn, as Matt called it the dawn of just ass. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if that's a hit. I don't know if he made that up, but I'm just going to assume he did because I, I, every time I see that movie now, I just see him on the screen here saying the dawn of chest ass. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, when she shows up to help Batman and Superman fight a creature that I refuse to believe, believe was Doomsday, Batman asks Superman, is she with you? Bruce? You've been researching her for the whole freaking movie and literally just emailed her. World's greatest detective, huh? Back to you. (laughs) All right. Well, that did not disappoint. Uh, So I'm going to go with uh, my least favorite Batman moment 
is uh, actually it's lots of moments that all culminate being part of the same thing. Uh, Batman, Fortunate Son. Uh, One-off comic by Gerard Jones and art by Gene Ha. And it just keeps running back in the whole thing to Batman lecturing Robin about the evils of rock and roll. Oh, I do. Talking about criminal tendencies and that he's on his way on a bad path because rock and especially punk apparently are evil in the devil's music. And it's an entire book of Batman making like some diehard Christian parent hearing their kid listening to metal. It is, um, I mean, the entire plot is like some if I remember correctly, it was a musician has like visions of a psychotic Elvis and disappears and they're trying to find this person. And the whole thing is convoluted, poorly written, poorly drawn, but just Batman, you know, like smacking Robin's hand away from the radio buttons and lecturing on rock and roll is just, uh, it's so not Batman. It's weird to me. <laughs> That's probably one of my least favorite moments of all time that has stuck with me, even just flipping through the book at a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> oh, Gary, what's your number one? My number one uh, least favorite Batman moment, um, I can equate to uh, me taking weight loss advice from someone who is heavier than me. <laughs> and I'm referring to Batman and Robin. Holy rusted metal, Batman. This metal, it's rusty, full of holes. If you can't do something better than the original source, don't poke fun at it, okay? That, that's my stance there. So the fact that they took a crack at old, you know, was it Batman 66? When their movie was crap? <laughs> I, it just, I, I mean, okay. So the movie was crap, and then they, they take something that is revered and take a pot shot at it. You don't do that, okay? <laughs> you, you just you just don't do that. So that is my least favorite Batman moment. Holy rusted metal Batman from Batman That's, and Robin. They certainly were not doing any better than that. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they were... <sighs> It, it was kind of a half-assed emulation of Batman 66 without ever quite making it to the same right. camp level and trying to be serious. So, yeah, good call, Gary. Phil, what do you have for us? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to keep that ball rolling, Gary, where my, <laughs> um, my least favorite is Batman and Robin as a collective. The whole thing, like all of it. Silver bat suits, bat nipples, bat credit cards, bat, 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 bat. Terrible acting, terrible sets. Terrible everything. Everybody oh. freeze. Don't forget about bat skates. They just randomly had bat skates in their bat suits. Oh my god, it's so bad. Like, seriously, this is this is the reason that I stop reading Batman, stop following Batman, stop doing anything Batman. Matter of fact, stop reading comic books when I was a kid. This stupid, stupid movie that I literally have to rewatch. And out of fear of me hating the world again, I can't do it. It is brutal. That's why I remembered the expiration date of that credit card, because it haunts my nightmares forever. Uh, everything about that was bad, from Poison Ivy and Bane to Mr. Freeze. And 
I I remember when they were talking about the guy they got to play Bane. Oh, he's got like a 26-inch bicep. Yeah, he's also got like a 75-inch waist. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. Like, so you, let me explore that for just a moment, though, Phil. You actually quit reading comic books because of that movie. For just, how long? A long time. Like, I would passively pick them up from here or there, but I, I stopped collecting. Like, wow. It didn't. There was, I just, you, I you couldn't broken. defend yourself as a, as a Batman fan after that. Yeah. That was no. And when I, when I started picking them up again, I would say probably I took at least like a year or two off of comics as a whole. And then I just started picking up like Marvel stuff again and just never really looked back. Wow. Um, matter of fact, I don't think I actually started reading anything Batman related until a couple of years ago when um, just everybody was talking up the court of owls and I stumbled upon it for free and I read it and I was like, oh, this is actually fantastic. But I don't know. I, I'll talk more about things that brought me back in about Batman, but this, this broke me. And I mean, I was, I was a kid. Like I was young. Well, at least Clooney knew it was crap. Well, yeah. I guess what he remembers, because wasn't he drunk? Oh, I don't know about that, but. Oh. Yeah, well, to be fair, I've heard lots from Joel Schumacher in later years about, you know, um, recognizing it wasn't great and that it was made to sold to tell toys and that he took responsibility because, you know, I could have said no. <laughs> and should have. Yeah, yeah, he should have. It's, it's not like the man can't make a good movie. He's got some good ones out there. Yeah, but that's not one of them. No. <laughs> All right, Darren, you want to bring us home and tell us what your most horrifying Batman moment is? You know, <laughs> I really tried to go a different route, but I'm sticking with that train to Batman and Robin. But I'm going to say not the movie itself. Gary actually just touched on this. The aftermath, the realization that Batman was dead. Or at very least, on absolute life support. That Batman and Robin, that movie made me have to defend my love for Batman. And at that time, there was no defense. That movie, for as bad as it was, it was a big summer hit. So many saw it, and it made me embarrassed to be a Batman fan. Batman and Robin, uh, as Mark, as you just mentioned, Batman and Robin was a clear directive from WB to lighten the tone of the toy franchise behemoth. So much of the blame has been laid at the feet of director Joel Schumacher. He has, he and George Clooney have graciously over the years taken on that blame. However, I think that in the intervening years, the perception has grown a lot kinder to both of them. It's been, if not confirmed, at least widely accepted. The movie was largely out of either one of their guy, those hands. It was a clear attempt at reviving the fading series by hearkening back to the days of Batman 66. They missed the mark by an incalculable measure, and it represented that they had little understanding of either the Bright Knight or the Dark Knight. And Batman fans, those who loved all versions, are the ones who pay the price. Um, you brought up a minute ago, Phil, that the acting was horrible, and I've heard in defense, well, the acting in Batman 66 is horrible. Oh no, it's not. It is not horrible. The Batman... 
I think there is a large segment of the Batman fandom that has dismissed um, Batman 66. And when I say that, Mark, I am not referencing you. I do not believe you've dismissed that at all. I don't believe... Uh, all right, so don't. I'm not referencing you when I say that. Um, yeah, to, to be clear, uh, what Darren's talking about is I have long been vocal about my dislike of Batman 66 and Adam West as Batman. Not yeah. as Adam West as a person or as the concept of a parody. I've just never been a fan. But then again, talk- when I saw it before, I didn't accept it as parody. So we'll talk about that later. Okay, yes. And I, I wanted I wanted to hold on to that. But thank you. I just I wanted to make sure I wasn't that wasn't a, no, that no. wasn't a target on you. But I think they dismissed it for, for camp because I think, and I'm going to touch on this in a little bit, you saw it, most of us like around our age are the ones who caught it in syndication and, you know, with very little options, it was, it was, a, we were, it was a widely available when we were kids to watch. You watch it now and you're like, oh man, the performance in that, the, the performances are, bad acting is not how you describe that. Anyway, let me just close by saying, yeah, Batman fans paid the price and but without batman and robin we don't get some of the best batman we ended up getting years down the line i want to float something really quickly while we're on the air if we can ever hang out in person i think we should all sit and watch this horrible film together i agree with lots of beer with lots of beer (laughs) take notes and then instantly record a podcast right after i absolutely want to do this Okay. Maybe we should just do the podcast while we're watching it. <laughs> That'd be a long and painful podcast. <laughs> we'll live tweet while watching it, and then we'll... Uh... It'll be like a mystery science theater kind of episode. <laughs> we'll do our own riff tracks. <laughs> I'm glad the hate is spread between us all. <clears throat> uh, I didn't take that personally at all, Darren, and if, if it was aimed at me, it would have been well-deserved from some of my comments in the past before I woke up to the parody fact. So. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm interested to talk about this. I have some stuff later for you. All right. So now we can move on from the dark dredges of worst Batman moments and into what are our favorite Batman moments? What are the things about the Dark Knight that we love? What, what's the moment that sticks with you? So I'm going to start off and say uh, one of my all-time favorite Batman moments is 1989, Michael Keaton, Batman, the classic, what are you? I'm Batman. Just the simple matter-of-fact answer. That just set a stage that has actually been replicated ever since because of that alongside many other things that Michael Keaton did, which I'll cover later on at a different point. (laughs) But um, Yeah, that just always stuck with me as just an awesome, I love his matter-of-fact, deadpan almost answer to that. I'm Batman. Like, duh. (laughs) I always loved that delivery, and uh, that was great for me. I'm going to throw in my second runner-up as from Batman the Animated Series from the episode Fear Itself with uh, Bruce Wayne rallying against a fear-toxin-induced vision of his father, calling him a disgrace. And the absolutely now classic response, you're not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. That's classic and iconic and one of the greatest moments of an extremely amazing television series. So those are my uh, runners-up. Gary, how do you feel? 
I had a lot to pick through for favorite moments. Not so much on least favorite moments, but and a lot of them came from the animated series. Um, as an offshoot of the animated series, my third runner-up, and I almost feel bad about it being this low, from Mask of the Phantasm, I didn't count on being happy. I don't remember this scene. That's a great line. Yeah. Where Bruce is standing there in front of his parents' grave, basically asking their permission for him to be able to drop his promise and to no longer do the vigilante Cape Crusader thing because he's found love. Um, it, it was, um, you know, out of the, the decades of everything Batman has done, that was one of the few times I can remember him wanting to have a normal life. You know, normally it's, he couldn't have a normal life because of the Batman persona. In this one case, he, he desperately wanted to drop it. It was just a, a very uh, heart-wrenching scene that stuck with me for years. Number two favorite Batman moment, uh, the debut of Asbat Armor 1.0. The initial spiked gauntlet, not spiked gauntlet, I'm sorry, clawed gauntlets, and the uh, somewhat metallic robotic suit. Um, I think I still have the issue somewhere here on my desktop. But, yeah, the debut of Jean-Paul Valley as uh, he has tweaked the classic Batman costume. Um, I loved it. When I saw it, I was all about it. And I think, as Darren has pointed out, you know, it's sort of robotic, and that's probably what drew me to it, you know, hence my, my love for Transformers. Um, but, yeah, that's my, my number two favorite moment was uh, Jean-Paul Valley debuting the Asbat version one. Uh, Gary, you want to see what that probably should have looked like? Do yourself a favor and look up the Hellbat armor. <laughs> the Hellbat? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have a McFarlane action figure of it. That's how I feel the Azrael Batman armor should have ended up back in the day. Hmm. Hellbat armor. I will look that up now while yeah, Phil fun one. <laughs> gives us his three and two. Yeah, so my number three, I was back and forth between um, Batman Begins uh, actually sitting down and enjoying a Batman film again or The Dark Knight. And I went with watching Batman The Dark Knight because after Batman Begins, I was like, okay, I'm back in. And then I saw Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker and I was really mm -hmm. scared I was going to get another Batman and Robin. And sitting through that film and realizing how great it felt to get through that whole thing and still feel great afterward and be able to tell people that, hey, it's worth seeing Batman, it really is, um, did something for me and kind of reawakened that. And that was what, 2008? You're talking 10 years, 11 years between Batman and Robin to that. So um, that just had a, like a favorite moment for me specifically because it made me appreciate Batman again and feel like we might have something that can continue. Granted, I've been kind of let down since, but still, it's been it was it was nice. Uh, my number two, which is something that I think everybody on this podcast can probably get behind, Batman the animated series intro music and opening. Nothing, nothing brings me back to my childhood, and nothing makes me feel so ready for a good detective story, a good 
romp through Gotham and it's just, it's perfect. It is the perfect intro for a show and it shows everything you need to know about Batman in that very short clip. So I find myself humming it randomly. just all the time, every day of my life. (laughs) Uh, Great takeoff from Danny Elfman's uh, movie theme. That is, that's a good list, Phil. Really nice. Darren, what do you have for us? Well, given my relationship to Batman being if Superman's one, Batman's at least two or mostly one A and probably second only to Mark on this podcast, I do have a list of merit. I'm going to tear through it uh, because I cut one of mine real, real short. Batman backhanding a thug and access chemicals in Batman 89, such an awesome visual. Anytime Batman corrects Robin in Batman 66. The Himalayan training sequence in Batman Begins. Swear to me in Batman Begins. Doesn't Mm. take much, does it? And Batman, Superman, the, I forget what it was called, but the animated series one. World's Finest. Where he gets the dime bag of kryptonite and pulls it out. Like, World's oh, Finest dime bag one. of kryptonite. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, that was saying. so awesome. But my first honorable mention is Batman punches Scarecrow in the stomach. Batman the Long Halloween. What's past is prologue, and never was this more true with the moment in Batman the Long Halloween as Batman hauls up, winds up, and just unloads in the Scarecrow's stomach. And his inner monologue states, Scarecrow's fear toxin forced me to relive the death of my parents. I try not to enjoy breaking all of his ribs. Just an awesome moment. And Phil, my number two, also the Batman animated series opening credits. Before Batman the animated series, the last time we regularly saw Batman in animated form... He was part of the Super Friends. The animated series premieres in 1992. Super Friends ran from 1973 to 1986. Super Friends was still a popular Saturday morning rerun by the time the animated series premieres. Given that over 12 years, Hanna-Barbera produces nine full seasons of Super Friends. I had no idea there's that much Super Friends out there. For many of us... Filmations The Adventures of Batman in 1969 and Filmations The New Adventures of Batman in 1977 were still what we were accustomed to in reference to Batman's adventures on Saturday mornings. And Phil, you said it better than I could. When we saw those credits run for Batman the Animated Series, we all sort of took a step back and went, whoa. And I think we all sort of held our breath for a little bit. And we got something that is as legendary a translation from comics, maybe, arguably, the best translation of any hero to any other screen medium to this day. Um, and it starts with those opening credits and that song. It's just, it, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it probably didn't hurt either that they put their best foot forward. I believe the first episode was on Leather Wings, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. I actually, that is one of the crowning jewels of that series. I actually wrote more because there was a moment in that episode where Batman's holding on for dear life and the, and the, the man bat's weaving between those blimps and Batman just smashes his face and cracks the window and you see the blood of like... Whoa! I I just that, that just that whole experience was, and I remember it was wasn't it, it debuted on like before the Simpsons on like a Sunday night, and, it, yeah. It was it was on prime time for a very brief period, and I remember like I had to wait a whole week for another one. 
Oh, so awesome. <laughs> uh, good memories, though. Good time to grow up watching cartoons, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to move on and say my favorite Batman moment was neck and neck with my second favorite, which was uh, I Am Vengeance, I Am the Knight. I went back and forth on the order of these two a lot. But Darren already partially touched on mine, and I'm going to say it is multiple moments from the world's finest crossover on Superman the Animated Series. It starts with Superman grabbing Batman by the shoulder and Batman flipping him through a table and then pulling out the dime bag of kryptonite, and that awesome line of, doesn't take much, does it? And then planting a tracker on Superman... So when Superman gets back to his apartment, he finds it, looks out the window, uses his telescopic vision, and sees Batman with a pair of binoculars a few buildings away, waving and smiling at him. (laughs) That just, every time, gets me. I'm like, oh, he got you, he got you good. (laughs) And then uh, culminating with the line when uh, Batman is parachuting out of an exploding plane with Harley Quinn... (laughs) which Joker was left on board. And as she exclaims, as the plane explodes into a fireball, put in Batman calmly looks at her and says, yes, by now he probably is. (laughs) (laughs) The look she gives him of, Oh my God, I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) Uh, That whole thing has such great, Oh, and I'm missing my other favorite of uh, after said plane sequence, Superman telling Batman, you saved my life. I'm aware. (laughs) <laughs> mark do you mind if can i add one to that oh go for it if i missed one please i'll i love those moments but i think i i the my favorite moment of that is when they're trying to figure out whatever they're trying, they're trying to solve the mystery and they, they find out that you know didn't bruce wayne and lex luther form a partnership in that episode and it's like you know we, we were tracing it back to your buddy Lex and, go, and Batman says I'm like well I guess I can ask him and they cut to the scene of him swinging in to his apartment at night as Luthor is freaking out and Mercy tries to save him he I don't know what he did he just does the calm back fist yeah and her takes her out he's like he's like Luthor's like well, well what do you want and he just he looks he looks really demonic at that point and he just says something information. Where's the clown? And he like Luther's about to give him whatever he wants. It's just that was such it, an awesome moment. I should point out that's a good one. Thank you, Darren, because that scene with Mercy sneaking up on him quietly behind him while he's talking to Luther, and he sees he doesn't even make any gesture that he knows she's there and just does the calm backfist right in her face and knocks her out. And after I think that was the first time I remember seeing that, but that's been kind of a Batman staple in the decades since. Oh yeah. He actually does that move in a lot of different media now where it's just the calm backfist somebody that's sneaking up on him well the batman 89 is the one i think that i always remembered and i was like oh yeah it does it there too oh does uh, he yeah batman 89 and the access chemicals i just mentioned that one where the criminals it's, it's shot perfectly the criminals running and they zoom out just in time for you to see Batman. bam <laughs> It's I love that is a staple. It's a great Batman move. It's, okay, then I'm going to give credit to uh, Batman and Michael Keaton for originating that. That's as, I as, forgot all as about soon as that. you see yeah. it, you're going to go, oh yeah, that's I've seen. No, it when you described it, it's on the the gangplank over the chemicals yep. and everything, right? Yep. Yeah, I remember it now. <laughs> all right, Gary, what's your favorite? Well, I, I had to pick through a lot, a lot of uh, animated series moments, um, but it, it, this particular moment. Um, I think is excellent. I mean, regardless of the fact that Batman is involved, 
And it is from the 1966 Batman movie. And it is the bomb disposal scene. <laughs> Which they redid in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just, I mean, I don't want to call it, uh, you know, um, you know, Keystone Cop-ish or Slapstick-ish. But it, it is just a amazingly entertaining sequence. You, you have this Wiley e. Coyote bomb. It is literally the size of a pumpkin with a flare out the top. It, it is like, you might as well just say bomb written on the side of it. It's just bomb. And he goes through this five, six minute long montage of just trying to find somewhere to dispose of this bomb. You know, he, there's nuns this way. There's a band this way. There's a woman with a baby carriage over here. He's about to throw it over into the lake, but there is a couple on a boat making out. Can't do it there. He goes over here. There's a little flock of baby ducks. He can't get rid of it there. He runs into the band again. He runs into the nuns. He runs into the couple again. And finally, you know, the bomb explodes off camera to find out that, you know, he disposed of it safely and, and this and that. But it is just a very... For, for as much as that is not my Batman, like I said, it, it's just, you know, regardless of the fact that Batman's in it, it is a, just a wildly entertaining scene. It's comedy gold. <laughs> yes. Yes. Can it, I, it is, uh, again, one of those things that stuck with me and I remember for decades later. Can I add, um, if you don't mind, oh, please. Maria took me to see uh, The Dark Knight Rises. And then at the end of that movie, I'm watching the movie and that it hits me when they're trying to get that nuke out of here. And I see that, and I was so happy to be there with Maria, but I'd never wish to be next to Mark or Tim so much more in my life, because if I'd have leaned over and said, someday you just can't get rid of a bomb, I know the end of that movie would have been ruined for all of us, but it would have been totally worth it. <laughs> oh. Phil. Uh, it's good. You, you look very pensive. There no, in the dark. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for those for those of you just listening, uh, Phil is right now a floating head in a black background. And I keep expecting one of his favorite moments to be telling me he sees a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche. Scaramouche. <laughs> I think the great and powerful Oz from here, but yeah. Right. All right. So my uh, my favorite Batman moment. I went the route of video games, guys. Sneaking around Arkham Asylum. Oh. When that game booted up and you found out you had those different gadgets and you had the detective vision and you could creep around and trick thugs to go to different places, or I guess inmates in this one, everything about that game felt like Batman. It was the first time playing a superhero game that I truly felt like the superhero other than maybe that Spider-Man 2 game that came out like on the GameCube. Yeah. This was the first time that I truly felt like the Dark Knight while playing a game. It just felt so tight. The fighting was so good. It was fluid. It just felt amazing. And you you could clear a room in multiple different ways simply because of the different gadgets that you had. And it just felt right. And that feeling of like pure joy of playing that because again, very apprehensive to play it. It just it just brought me in. It's amazing. Um, obviously, the games continue to get better, but Arkham Asylum. I, I remember popping that into my uh, 
I think 360 and just loving it. Yeah, that's that's one of those. I love the stealth scenes because Rocksteady refused to call them stealth. They called them predator sequences, right. which is exactly what they are. You are not hiding from these people. You are hunting them. It's true. <laughs> Something yeah, I, that I think was uh, perfected in the Spider-Man games later on. But Oh, yeah. The Spider-Man game actually took a lot from the Arkham games oh, and ran with it. For sure. And it worked. It worked very well. Yeah. Um, uh, They've, they've taken that engine for a lot of things. That did it. Um, Shadow of Mordor did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been used to great effect a lot, and it's, it was revolutionary gameplay at the time. Yeah, it changed It changed comic book video games. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those moments that I will not forget. It's just, it's amazing. And if for some yeah, reason I, someone out there has not played the Arkham series, like, do it. what are you doing? I, I hundred percented that game. Like, so I got all the Riddler trophies, all, right. all the, uh, was it the, the Arkham backstory and all that, you know, it was just anything there was to do in that game. I did it. It was yeah, awesome. I, I am not at all a completionist, but all three of those core games, I did not stop until I had every Riddler trophy, every puzzle solved. I couldn't stop. They were amazing. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Arkham Asylum, the first nice. time using that detective vision. Darren? So- Anyone want to take a guess? Robin's new costume. Hand me the bat shark repellent. The death of Damian Wayne. Oh, that, when, when, when that happens, when that happens, it's on the list, man. When it's on the list. It, it well, I do sit it, it, here. Yeah, Lazarus. All right. All right reason. Well, anyway, well, I do sit here wearing a Batman '66 Batmobile hockey jersey, and my number one is atomic batteries to power turbines to speed. Crank up that Neil Hefty theme. No Dutch tilted camera is tilted enough and flash those onomatopoeia graphics in my face. It is Batman 66. And now let me be clear here. It's not because I think this is the best version of Batman. I don't. It's not because I think that this is any this is elevated above the rest, but this Batman 66 is where it all began for me. This was my introduction to Batman. This is the first Batman I ever knew. This is how I knew that Batman was a thing. Adam West and Burt Ward were my first superheroes. It was so easy to just grab a towel and make a mask out of a paper bag and run around the house humming that unmistakable theme. And it was fun. Like, really, really fun. It was all so guiltless and so colorful and so easy. Now, if you've not seen the show since childhood... You owe it to yourself to give it a second look. It takes on a whole new meaning as an adult. Batman 66 is delightfully bizarre. The performances are wonderfully over the top, and everyone who was on that set, who was part of the show, got it. They all understood what was going on. Here's an example of something you would not have caught as a child, while watching it with my son just recently, I wasn't paying too most close of attention as it was playing in the background and he and I were playing together, but I overheard the following. Robin, holy astringent, plum-like fruit, Batman. Batman, only astringent when it's ripe, Robin. Robin, gosh, you're right, Batman. I really need to do a better job mesmerizing my persimmons. Like, <laughs> what was being smoked? In the writer's room. And but then we find out, come to find out that after a while, this stuff was made up on the spot that 
after early tensions on the set, Batman or Adam West and Herbert Ward got along wonderfully, and they were just riffing a, a half of this stuff most of the time. Um, I say here it's not a parody. I'm not saying it's a parody of Batman because it's not. It's a parody of television. It's a parody of movie making. I mean, it just so happens to be Batman, and it's it's really not slapstick. It's definitely camp, but people always often mistake it for slapstick. There's a pie in the face gag, of course, coming from one of the villains, but it's really not that. Batman '66 kind of carves out its own little enclave in the landscape of pop culture, which is why I feel confident in saying two things: this isn't a binging show, okay? This is you got 20 minutes. Pop one of the, you know, grab one of those and watch it. Maybe watch the second part of it. But you're not binging this show. And I don't think this ever works again. I, this was once in a lifetime, in multiple lifetimes. Um, it It's that lightning in a bottle sort of construct. It blazed brilliantly for a moment, just long enough. And we still have it. But it's, if you watch this now as an adult with a lot of your preconceived notions about what Batman should be. Because to me, Batman is the most versatile of all the superheroes. He can be the Dark Knight, and it can be really thrilling. He could be the Bright Knight, and it could be hilarious. Like Gary just illustrated. The f- Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. That is so out to lunch on that scene. And he is... I remember showing, like, they showed uh, footage of him practicing that run... So he was really hamming it up for that. I'm like, talk about a guy who understood what was going on. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's just, it's so great. He understood the assignment, as they said. <laughs> and one other story I'll say, which is very famous. Now, with the broadcasts, some broadcasts were different than other broadcasts, depending on when the editing was finished and when they were delivered to other markets, because um, the West Coast would get them before the East Coast got them. So the West Coast, often they would they would air hours after where they were done editing and then by the time they got to the east coast they had to be re-edited well adam west used to intentionally i think i was telling you about this a while back mark uh, he used to intentionally mess up his lines because he knew he and bert ward knew something was coming and they, he knew that uh he wanted to get something in there because if they had to run up close to the timetable they might not have any other choice to, to use the only take they got and it was either Catwoman or Batgirl. And the legend is that this did air, but I don't think it's on the DVD, that they were in the Batcave and Robin was standing there. And he says, gosh, Batman, she sure is beautiful. And then Batman puts his hand on Robin's shoulder and he goes, I'm proud of you, chum. You're starting to experience that oncoming thrust of manhood. So he screwed up his lines. And the last take they had is that's the one they took and they that aired. Because by the time it gets to the East Coast, uh, the East Coast broadcast, it was changed. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't know, man. I think that show, over the years, is operating on a level that we will never see again. And so that's that's probably part of the problem I had with it for so long was I never saw it as a kid. I first saw it as an adult, and my thought was, what the hell is this? You've already had exposure to Batman. Prior okay. to that, then. Yeah, so yeah Mark... my exposure to Batman prior was The Dark Knight, not oh, that. okay. See, that's so interesting. That I was wondering where I'm that. coming from here. Yeah, it does. Because I think there's just a 
I mean, if you're around our age, it is not uncommon for your first Batman to be Adam West. So I, I didn't know that, Mark. That's interesting. So yeah. when you say the Dark Knight, do, was it the comic, the actual Frank Miller comic, or was it just... No, not him? the Frank Miller comic. Do you remember... Just, you know, the Dark Knight, Batman, you know, Batman, the comics, uh, you know, uh, Nightfall, stuff like that, and uh, the animated series. Those were my experiences with Batman. So that was, those were your first... More of the badass. So I'm yeah. interested... That... I didn't really get into Batman until, like, maybe oh, after man. 89. When the movie came out, I was aware of Batman. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't a huge DC fan back then. Okay. I get it. So, yeah, that's interesting. We never actually talked about that. So, yeah, Michael Keaton's movie got me more into Batman. And then by the time the animated series came out, I had been reading comics. So. That's still so interesting to me. Like, oh, Michael Keaton's Batman is so much tougher. Like, well, in real life, I think Adam West like four inches taller than the guy. But, oh, well. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm actually interested at some point in going back and watching the Adam West series with that mindset now that this isn't supposed to be taken as Batman. Oh, no. This is something else. Oh, no. I mean, it... Two two things I remember about that series. One, the the building walking sequences with the celebrity appearances. (laughs) Yeah. Would have, like... The Green Hornet and Cato, or like Sammy Davis Jr., or just some random celebrity that would like pop out of one of the windows. I just saw. I just saw the Dick Clark one. Yes. Um, the other ones that just I always just drove me crazy were the like Riddler episodes, oh. where it'd be like, "Well, it's a penguin, and you know, penguins usually hang out where there's a lot of ice. And what's another name for ice? Diamonds. But it's an emperor penguin, so it must be big ice." They're going to be at the baseball field with the Gotham Knight, you know. And it was just like, okay, so we'd have this this little random clue, and it would just go like 12 levels deep and figure out what this riddle was supposed to be. And it was just so obvious, you know. And he would do this like every other episode, and it's like, how did you get that? He's but bad. now I understand, because I do the same thing in my daily life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know I think it was one of those two where I also got a lot of when people ask who's your favorite comic book character in like the '90s there, I'd say Batman, and then people start like saying something, oh Batman, this that in a British accent, I'm like what are you doing? It's Commissioner Gordon. When is Commissioner Gordon British? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I didn't get it. <laughs> oh, you know the Adam West series? I'm like that's not Batman. <laughs> It was just that so many people, that was their only experience with Batman. I think it chafed a little bit. So I, I'm past that now. I'm willing to give it a good shot. I think you're going to like Commissioner, Gord- like Commissioner Gordon. Chief O'Hara, I think, is probably who they were referencing yes. who had the Scottish accent. Well, then they were probably really right, stupid. <laughs> the amount of time Commissioner Gordon opines into nowhere. I only hope that our daring... T- <laughs> it's so great. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. You know what, Darren? I am really surprised that uh, Batman and Scooby-Doo never popped up on your list. Oh, man. I don't even know where to uh, <laughs> where to begin there. That's just... that's. Oh, I love that thing so much. It, it was, was like fun. Super Friends era Batman, correct? Yeah, it was. Okay. So that was sort of a nice in-between between, between uh, Batman 66 and 89-ish. Yeah, it was. How um, he was presented. And in fact, it started out with the new adventures of Batman, which precedes uh, Super Friends, which interest in, in Adam West and Burt Ward were the voices of Batman and Robin for that. And they did it on and off in Super Friends. It wasn't always them. 
I know. I think famously everyone knows Dick Clark was Robin. Or no, Casey Kasem was Robin. Casey Kasem, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Batman, well, we'll talk about more of that uh, soon. All right. <laughs> Anything else anybody wants to throw in? Anything else popped up that you wish you'd had on your list? No. I'm good. Just a gazillion nope. moments from the animated series, really. But uh, Yeah, there's too many to count, right? Uh <laughs> All right. Well, then we'll be continuing our discussion about The Dark Knight in a further episode where we'll be discussing our favorite Batman adaptations, least favorite adaptations, and who's your Batman. But until then, we're going to wish you Whoa, 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 Mark. Mark. Yes? There's really only one way to end this episode. And that is? Same bat time, same bat chance. Nope, nope. Will (laughs) Phil ever escape the entangled web of Marvel trivia failure? Will Gary finally wear Burt Ward underwear? Will Mark finally watch Batman 66 again? Tune in next time. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Good call, Darren. That's a great ending. Until then, enjoy your comics.